You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You goddamn right, I do. If one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, you are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. This is called Pirate Radio. We are refuse for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights, we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzford. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends. We're at the diner once again, and you are with us. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am the host of this podcast, but joining me in this wonderful podcast journey that we have, I have two amazing co-hosts. Let me introduce them to you. I have the man, the myth, the legend. He's working on a new album. You guys can check it out when it comes out. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Bandcamp, but you can listen to his other musical adventures as well as as well as listening to the fantastic podcast that he has on great geek refuge it's called the overflow his name is mc brooks if the leaks are true i might have to go square up with a certain manga writer in japan (laughs) i mean from from what you were telling me it sounds like you would have several other people joining you too so facts (laughs) we've also we've also got Uh, A wonderfully talented visual artist, but also when it comes to movies, when it comes to comic books, the the man is a fountain of knowledge. But not only that, he's a good friend and a good podcaster as well. His name is James Rambo. What's going on, everybody? It was three words. Well, I guess four. Yeah. Actually, hang on. Uh uh Yeah, it's four because I can't count. Four words that essentially kicked off what is easily the most popular film franchise ever i would say and that's the mcu and those words are i am iron man and that was the movie that started it all now you could argue and say yeah but there were other marvel movies that came before just shut up like nobody cares okay the mcu started with tony stark period end of sentence iron man that's how it started i understand that blade came out before that okay doesn't count It, it, it was a different different time Marvel didn't know what the hell they were doing. And really, they didn't know what they were doing with this. And we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about a movie that often gets lost in the shuffle when it comes to the MCU discussion because it's you can't find it on Disney Plus right now because of licensing rights and things like that. And that's going to be The Incredible Hulk starring Edward Norton. But we're going to be discussing those. And this is going to be a series of podcasts that we do on At The Diner where we talk 
about phase one of the MCU. And then we will go into phase two and phase three and phase four. We'll talk about all of them as we kind of do a rewatch just to kind of recap what happened. So no pun intended there, you know, recap. <laughs> Nothing. Crickets. Okay. But I'm dumb, dumb. Thank you. Be <laughs> here all week, folks. So let's start with Iron Man. Um, I watched it the other night for the first time in... See, I don't count my rewatch of last last year because last year was like there was so much craziness going on. It was just like I wasn't watching anything for like review's sake. I wasn't watching anything for like I'm going to grade this on content. It was all just like comfort food at that point. It was like I just need something to distract me from the fact that our world is on fire. And this was the first time I really watched it like and really like noticed how much was put into this movie and not like intentionally with the the goal of let's build this giant universe. No, it was all with the intent of making a good story because they had no idea that this was going to spawn a series of films that would be, I mean, we're talking billions and billions of dollars across the MCU that they've made. But like, also to take all of that aside, Iron Man on its on its own, just standalone movie is a fantastic movie. And it, I think on like, I, I still would say that it's one of my favorite of the MCU period, like easily in my top five. Um, but let's kind of go around the room here. M MCA, um, just kind of giving it a fresh set of eyes here, looking at, at Iron Man. What did you think on a rewatch? I mean, for one, it still holds up. And and I agree with your comment about it being a a top five uh, series, a top five movie in the MCU. And, and, and just a fantastic movie in and of itself. Because I do think if if they had just decided to just leave this and like not launch an entire universe, like this movie still holds up and, and is still a really just incredible um, watch. Uh, not only because of the story, but because of the the acting. Uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was was fantastic in this movie. But you got you got a ton of really great performances just all across the all across the board. Um, and, and you know, even like I I also rewatched this last year, and I but I was also kind of in the same lane of just like comfort food just you know like I'm, I'm watching because it's familiar and i would like to not freak out because of what's going on outside right now i just want to um, be happy for like like an hour and a half that's all i'm asking <laughs> basically um but yeah no I, I i just like in watching to review at this time i couldn't help but almost get the same feeling i got when i watched it about eight years ago, because uh, oddly enough, on Facebook, in my memories, it was it's about eight years ago today that I actually like watched these films for the first time because I didn't see them, you know, when they actually released in theaters. Um, but yeah, like, I, I I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, I was kind of watching it uh, curious as to whether certain uh, special effects or anything were going to just look dated and look really weird and whatnot just because of how much technology has changed in the, in the last 13 years between uh, when that movie was made and now but i think everything holds up and i mean it's it's just a really it's a really fun movie and like i said even if they were to just leave it as a standalone and not connected to the larger universe it's 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 a great watch just all around mr rambo yeah, I mean, yeah, y'all are, are are pretty much echoing my thoughts on it. Um, I will say that I there's I, I will I will contradict you a bit, Mike. In Marvel, definitely, I 
it's not fair to say they had like a full plan for everything but there were definitely hopes and dreams hung on this movie oh, okay. um right. yeah I, I didn't know so yeah spoke, so spoke out of ignorance with this one no no, no it's yeah it's cool man um so I can I can get into a little bit of the the history for it if you of it if you want. Professor, well, um, I mean. <laughs> so the way this worked initially, um, Marvel was looking to, you know, expand their their media share, and so they struck a deal with Paramount. Paramount would give them one hundred fifty dollars, one hundred fifty million dollars uh, per film. They would put the money up. Um, Marvel would make a movie. Paramount would recoup their uh, their investment plus, you know, whatever back end thing, uh, and they would proceed like that. Um, Iron Man was chosen to be the the first of the movies. Uh, he was, a, you know, a C list uh, hero at the time. Um, you know, one of the one of the earliest Avengers. Blah blah blah. But like in the moment, like not super popular. Um, had a couple comics. Uh, there was one at the time called uh, Iron Man uh, Extremis, which got adapted for to some degree uh, for the third movie. Um, but uh, you know, not not a huge draw. Uh, and they had to maximize the shit out of this movie. Um, and so they didn't go for big box office draw like they weren't going to try and put their money into like let's get the biggest name possible and let's get the hottest director possible and uh, all that they actually did spend the money on quality um so they 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 actually went quality over quantity in this in this, in this situation they, they were search, searching out substance and and to MC's point, the reason that so many of the the effects look good is John Favreau made a point to consult every person he was working with with regard to the visual effects, and then not not just like what's the best version of the CG that we can do, like well, how, how what's the, what's the 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 cleanest and most interesting version of that. It was for this particular shot, for this particular lighting, should we do a practical effect? Should we do a digital effect or should we do some kind of combination? And they did that with every effect shot. So there are times when it's when it's all of one, uh, um, and there are times when it's a combination of the two. Uh, but they're all specifically geared toward what will look best right now. Um, you know, some 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 directors get hung up on. Uh, going a particular direction like oh no we only want to do practical effects or we only want to do digital stuff and it's like well you know some things work and some things don't great example of that um i just rewatched reign of fire for the first time in like Dude. 15 years Love that movie. um and i think it holds up i had a great time katie really enjoyed it too but the thing i was most impressed by is the dragons look fucking great and that movie came out in 2002. That's nearly 20 years ago. Um, and to their credit, they, they were very smart about like, okay, well, we want, one, the designs look good in general, but two, the way it's actually animated and rendered, it's a lot of low light. It's a lot of like very specific lighting. Um, and it's not a lot of sort of general open air, 
uh, uh, bland lighting. The only time you really get that is in the end, and it's clear that's where a lot of the money went to making that final standoff with the, the King Dragon look really good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, Marvel was very savvy about, you know, they talked to um, a, a lot of writers, like Brian Michael Bendis was one of the guys who was one of the, the big consultants uh, on the, the movie, as well as Joe Quesada and a couple of other people. Uh, and it was actually Bendis's idea to do um, the Nick Fury stinger uh, and, and tease the Avengers. Because, you know, if the movie didn't make any money, obviously they weren't going to pursue it. But if it, if it, you know, if it turned a profit, well, okay, well, we can start building on stuff here. Uh, and of course, you know, we know how that went. Um, but yeah, like they actually even went into production without a full script. Um, oh shit. Are you serious? <laughs> oh yeah, man. Like it, it, th think about some of the scenes where it has like the most, the most unmovie like dialogue. Uh, where it has almost more of a pattern thing, but it doesn't quite feel as written or as polished as it could be. More than likely, those scenes are all improv. Uh, yeah. They did a bunch of weeks of rehearsals, um, like two or three weeks of rehearsal, uh, where they would, you know, they would polish things and they would, you know, uh, well, they, they would do what improv companies do. You have an idea, you go through a scene. Okay, great. We have our, our foundation. Let's do it again. And now you have your foundation you can build off of and you can polish that dialogue and you can work on it there. And you keep working on it and keep working on it and keep working on it until you have it down pat and then you can deliver it. Like one of my favorite lines that really stands out in terms of that is when Obadiah Stane is yelling at Peter Billingsley and he's like, Tony Stark built this in a cave and there's this long pause and he's like, with a bunch of scraps. Yeah. <laughs> like that feels like an improvised line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not, which isn't to say it's bad, but it, it has that, that, that natural flow of, of, of dialogue that you don't necessarily get from it being written. Um, now I, as I say this, it's entirely possible that, that it is a written line. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of really smart and really interesting things that they do with this movie. Um, one of the, the, the paramount things being for me the adaptation of the Mandarin as um, not just a a singular figure, uh, but a representative of um, a, a terrorist organization. Like, for, particularly for the time, like, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, for updating Tony Stark's origin story from, uh, I think it was like Korea or Vietnam at the time, probably Korea, um, it makes sense to have it, you know, set in the Middle East, because uh, it's not like America's got a dearth of fucking wars to choose from. Um, and yeah, and, and apparently, it, I think it's Arabic, but it might be Urdu. If you speak Arabic and you watch the the um, the hostage video that Stain is sent. You know the entire plot, like you know the full, yeah. like they give away the whole, like we kidnapped him, like you told us to. So you know, give us our fucking money. <laughs> yeah, it's um, in Afghanistan they don't speak Arabic; they speak, I, I believe, it's Urdu. Yeah. Let me just um, Afghanistan. They but yeah, it's it's it was a really ballsy move, like uh, uh, uh Paramount one. 
what is it? Pashto. Pashto. Okay, cool. Um, Paramount didn't want to pay for the insurance for Robert Downey Jr. Um, it's funny to think about now because he's such a giant worldwide name at this point. But in 2008, he was the guy best known for bouncing in and out of rehab. Like, he was the most famous addict that most people knew of. Um, and Favreau was like, no, 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 this, this guy is Tony Stark. Like, straight up, this is, there's, there's elements of his real life in this movie. Um, and so it was, it, he really had to go to bat to get, uh, uh, to get Downey to, to be able to play the role. Um, which, you know, up until like maybe four or five years before that, Tom Cruise was the front runner to play Iron Man. Like they were developing an Iron Man movie for a couple years. Uh, it mm -hmm. just never got off the ground. Um, but yeah, it's 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 cool to be able to look back on it now and see you know some of the rougher beginnings. But all things considered, Iron Man on its own it stands as a really solid flick. Like that movie yeah. worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, do you I was going to say, uh, Rambo, do you think that part of the success of this film was also uh, due to the fact that in terms of popularity, Iron Man was not as like well-known of a character or established of a character as opposed to someone like a Batman or a Superman. And so Marvel was able to kind of play around and, ha and have a bit more creativity as far as what they wanted to do with the script and the story. Oh, absolutely. You, you, they had a freedom to, uh, to adapt this really however they want. Um, I mean, d they did a pretty faithful, uh, uh, update and adaptation for the character, but th I don't think there were nearly as many, uh, preconceived notions about what the character is or isn't, um, before this movie dropped. Like, you're obviously going to have your, your big geek people who are, who are, you know, like, ah, I've been reading Iron Man since, uh, you know, uh, Bob Layton was drawn and all this shit. But, you know, they're, they're a vocal minority. Um, and this was really about, like, the success of the MCU, it, it plays in part to the geeky audience, but really you need to reach the wider audience. You need to, I, I mean, this is, this is not like a revolutionary thing I'm saying. Like, at all points, you need to be reaching uh, um, broader audiences in general. Um, and I think that's one of the greater successes of the MCU in general, uh, specifically, is their ability to have things, you know, maintain a broad appeal while also have things be, you know, like, like enough Easter eggs and enough specificity in places uh, that geeks can go, oh, 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 oh I know what that is um and and you know and and feel validated um but yeah no if if it's funny like the biggest marvel properties i mean like, and the reason they went with iron man like is they couldn't use x-men they couldn't use daredevil they couldn't use fantastic four um you know spider-man was owned by sony like all of their major properties have been sold off to other studios uh to make money back when uh you know back when Stan was just, you know, shopping them around to try and make a quick buck. Um, or, you know, in, in certain cases, when when Marvel was, you know, hemorrhaging money and they needed to, to, to make some quick cash. Um, 
so they had to to consider like all right well you know where is the place to go I, I i can't remember the specifics of exactly why they chose iron man and not captain america um i think it was had to do with the fact that captain america it, you know it's his story requires you know talk like, like, a, like a period piece and with thor you have to get into the bigger broader like you know more uh, mystical and, and alien uh, kind of stuff but with iron man it's a set i mean it's it's this writ large but it's essentially it's a dude who is very rich who decides he wants to uh, uh go fight crime on like a like a global scale like it you know it could jeff bezos do this tomorrow no <laughs> but like you know, it's not too much of an exaggeration to consider that this could happen, as opposed to like Cap being frozen uh, for like you know seventy years and Thor being like a literal god alien. Um, so there were practical concerns as well. Yeah, and and I think to MC's point too, using a character that like not a whole lot of people really knew, and like to your point as well that like. The, the amount of people who were going to be Iron Man fanboys before this movie came out was not that big. No. And, I mean, I'm a perfect example. Like, I knew who Iron Man was. I knew he was an integral part of the uh, of the Avengers. But, like, it was because of this movie that I, that I began to appreciate the character more. And Robert Downey Jr., like, this was, like, the part he was made to play. It, like... You're, you're talking about somebody that has substance abuse problems who's looking for a redemption in their career. Well, fuck, what, what was this whole movie? Like, uh -huh. it was it was him playing to character. And just overall, like, I loved it. The, the fact that, like, retro, retro retroactively people are trying to go back and, and, like, paint him in some sort of different light and saying that, like, they don't like him as a character. Like... Are completely missing the point of like this is a dude who yes he is privileged yes he has a lot of money and like has a realization that like the life that I'm leading is not one of no consequence because that's what he thought it was before until he saw what his weapons did until exactly. he saw what it what it did to him and like that line that he has with Yinzen as he's leaving the cave as Yinzen looks at him and he's like, don't waste this opportunity. I can't remember the exact line, but it was something to that effect. But like that was that line, those, and then I mentioned, I am Iron Man earlier, but like that line right there, that spawned this series that created that hero. Because at first it was just about, let me get out of here and let me escape using my ingenuity and a bunch of scraps as Obadiah Stane put it. But like, now it's a bigger picture. Now there's more. Now it's like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to save myself. But also, too, I have to stop what my legacy has become. Right. And that's yeah. like, that's super powerful, you know? I mean, because like this whole, the whole Iron Man series, like all three of those movies deal with him dealing with his past in one way, shape or form or another, you know? Like the second one is all about him like more or less dealing with the fact that like he did not have the best relationship with his father. And now, now you got to figure out why and what are you going to do about it? And then realizing like it wasn't all bad in a way, you know, like, did you guys see uh creed too? I have not. No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh man. Fucking movie. Um, so there's this whole, th so, so the, the basis for creed two is all about, um, 
uh, Adonis Creed, uh, is now an established boxer. He's the, the you know, like, I think middleweight champion. Um, and he's going to fight the son of Ivan Drago. Um, you know, infamously played by Dolph Lundgren and Rocky Four, and, you know, uh, basically Cold War, the movie. Um, and there's this whole, there are these through lines in the first, uh, uh, in, the, in the, the, throughout the movie, showcasing, like, where Adonis is, where he lives, how he lives, how he trains. And like, you know, he's got all this money now and everything's great. And, you know, he's got this beautiful girlfriend. He lives in this giant mansion. And then they'll cut to fucking Moscow. And Ivan <laughs> Ivan and his son share like a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, his son sleeps on the couch. Uh, they train by like moving, like like I think his job is like he's like a stonemason, but to the point of like no, I move cinder blocks all day, um, and like he's doing the training like uh, uh, well, like really what it is 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 they're basically showing your your hero in the second movie uh, is looking much more like Apollo um, uh, from from the Rocky movies. And your seeming villain is training a lot more like Rocky. Um, so there's this great sort of like uh, 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 shifting of perception in terms of like, well, you know, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Is it, Do we have a particular uh, stance on this uh, in terms of, of um, you know, basically we have a protagonist and an antagonist. We don't have a hero and a villain. Um, and you get a similar thing with, with, uh, uh, Iron Man two, where both stories are essentially about two men dealing with the actions and the, uh, of their fathers and the fallout from those actions. And the big difference between uh, well, one of the big differences between Tony and, uh, and, and Ivan is, um, Tony has been told a story about what happened. And Ivan knows, you know, seemingly knows at least some of some more of that story. He knows more aspects of the truth. Um, and the 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 lie that Tony was taught definitely benefited him versus the reality that Ivan knows, uh, which has just been this albatross around his neck. Um, like Iron Man 2 gets a lot of shit from people and it's got some problems. But I really don't think it's as bad as people say it is. Like, they do some really interesting storytelling stuff in that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, like, it's to, to kind of circle back to the first one, and then we'll move on to uh, to Incredible Hulk. The thing that I liked the most about the, the first one, really, was that, like, it tells a complete story on its own, but gives you these little teasers about what could happen in the future. And that's what right. I liked about it. Is it wasn't like, see, that's where when DC tried to do their, you know, extended universe and it kind of fell on its face. That was the problem is they, they pinned so much on building a bigger universe in one movie mm -hmm. in Batman versus Superman, basically. And it just it sort of kind of worked, but not really like with Marvel. They took their time and yeah, they threw things in there like, you know, um, uh, Nick Fury showing up at the end and teasing the Avengers, you know, the Avenger initiative, like that was right. and that was cool, but ultimately, if it didn't get paid off, it was no big deal. With the DCEU, yeah. like you have to pay this off now, and that was the problem that they had with, with with it. But like it just it was it's such a good flick. You can watch it all on its own. Robert Downey Jr. is is charming and funny, and like 
you actually feel for him when he realizes he's like, this is not what I want to leave the world thinking Tony Stark is. He's like, I don't want to be this billionaire playboy spoiled brat, basically. And like that, like, man, friggin' Jeff Bridges, dude, like that dude just is such a good actor. Like you go, he goes from like father figure and you're like, oh, I like him. He's cool. And then all of a sudden he's just a dick and you're just like, oh, no, this isn't going to work. And then he's just like an outward dick about it. Like when yeah. he's at the end and he's mm-hmm. like, he's like aiming his weapons at him. He's like, stand still, you little prick. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's where yeah. we're going with this. Yeah. Like you are, he, you are standing in the way of my livelihood. Yeah. You think you're going like, I, I, <laughs> there are so many bodies under my feet and you think you're going to be the one to get in my way. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I, I liked your dad. I tolerate you. Yeah, basically. Right. Yeah, what did he say? You're the golden goose? Like, and you finally, yeah, like, you've given the world this great thing, this, the Stark reactor. Like, yeah. Or the arc reactor. I said Stark reactor. Ha, huh, because they were on. Um, <laughs> There's yeah, one that doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's move to one that is not universally loved, um, like Iron Man is, uh, and that would be The Incredible Hulk, starring Edward Norton. Um this got lost in the shuffle because it's a Marvel product, but it's not, it's, it's not Marvel Marvel, but also too, you can't really say that because this was at a time when they made the first Iron Man movie, like you said, it was a Paramount thing. So it really isn't a Disney owned property yet. Um, it's a little bit different now, but like at the time it was a Paramount movie and then in, uh, Incredible Hulk was universal. Well, no, so, so, uh, Paramount did the distribution. Oh, okay. Paramount did the distribution. Like that was that was their deal. They 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 would front the money, and then they would distribute the films. And Marvel Marvel's doing the actual production. Similarly, uh, Marvel did the production for Incredible Hulk, but they didn't. So they had more of a, a, a like an early Sony license that they like like they have now with Universal at the time. Um, and it was just a matter of like, okay, we'll we'll. We'll do the production. Universal will handle like part of that as well, but they still own the actual film rights. So it it behooves them much more to make the for to have us help them make this movie than it does us. Got it. Yeah. It's very complicated. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Okay. But Incredible Hulk, Universal, Universal. Yes. Hulk. It's a Marvel movie, obviously, because it's the Hulk. But let's talk a little bit about this movie. Um. I watched this movie and I realized that I had not seen this all the way through. And if I did, I forgot a whole lot of this movie. But I watched it last night for the first time in at least what? If it came out, it came out in 2008 as well, right? Yeah. 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 I believe so. Yeah. So it's been 13 years since I've touched it at a bare minimum. It wasn't awful. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it like I did Iron Man. Iron Man's a better flick pound for pound across the board. But, like, it wasn't horrible. But at the same time, too, there was a lot of things that, like, let, like leave you wanting more. Um, one of the big gripes that I had with it is, like, towards the end when he's um, in, the, in the cabin, like, meditating, and then you see his heart rate going up, and then his eyes turn green, meaning, hey, I'm going to turn into the Hulk again. He, like, smiles. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, it was just... <laughs> 
it was weird. I mean, like, it's not like it's not like it was a bad thing. It's not like it ruined the whole movie. But it was just kind of like, why? Uh, all right, well, if that's what we're doing, even though we know that he's cursed with this thing. But it's also sometimes a good thing. But like, and that's something that they've done consistently with the Hulk. Is like, it's this thing that he's cursed with, but it's also something that he uses to try to make a difference. Sometimes it, it's just, it's a very strange balance with this character. And this is a hard character to really nail down in film. I don't think there's ever been a perfect depiction of the Hulk. Um, which is kind of why I think that maybe Marvel, unless there was a business reason, this is maybe why the MCU has been like, we don't need to do another Hulk movie. We'll keep him as an extra character in the Avengers, in both of the Avengers movies, and then we'll add him into Thor, and it'll be funny, and it'll be... Like, I'm wondering if if that was their plan from the beginning, or if it was just like, because like you said, like there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of distribution things going on, if that's the reason why we didn't. I, uh, I think... I think it's a little bit. It's a little bit of both. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, for one, I mean they don't own the they don't own the film rights to a solo to to do a solo movie. So because they, you know, because they don't, it's kind of hard to try to do a to try to make like a The Incredible Hulk two, or or something when you know you'd have to try to figure you know figure out how to make it work with Universal. Like as it stands, they like they can use him the way they they use him so long as he's not like, like it's not like a solo film. That's 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 just him. So I think that's that's part of it. But I mean, there are so many moving parts because we we've talked about this uh, on previous episodes. I mean, there was a point where Civil War was going to feature Hulk as one as the other character opposite of uh, Captain America. Simply because you know Robert Downey Jr. made a lot of money and Ike Perlmutter was not trying to pay him because he cost a lot, he cost a lot of money. Um, so like, on some level, I would say like they they probably have had ideas for how to use Hulk. Um, but st- but you know they've had to kind of just figure it out as they go along. Simply because they went from. Civil Hulk could be in Civil War if they if they don't bring Robert Downey Jr. back. To he's just not going to be in the movie at all, and we're just gonna we're just gonna you know put him elsewhere, uh, which ended up being Thor uh, Thor Ragnarok. So I think it's it's a, it's a little it's it's a little bit of you know not diving the film rights kind of makes it hard for them to do another solo film, but also like what would also be the point of doing another solo film given the story that they were telling. Like, where could you have taken it? Where could you have gone with the Hulk in the MCU that would have really contributed to this overarching theme of, you know, going this, this, you know, this big battle with Thanos that you know is going to be coming at some point in the future. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I do think, like I said, I think it, I think it's a mix, a mix of it. And, and I would say even going forward, because Mark Ruffalo has, is on the record as saying that, like he would love to do another he would love to do a solo hulk movie but he's also well aware that it's like it's not up to him it's not even up to marvel it's 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 up to uh universal and if marvel and universal can figure out a way to make it work and then on top of that figuring out what kind of story you could tell uh using that character because right now he's Hulk has done pretty well as just kind of showing up in all these additional movies, yeah. and he's we we know for a fact he's going to be in the She-Hulk series that just began filming. So it's, it's it 
I mean, it probably is hard uh, to what you were saying, Mike. That it, it it probably is just on some level hard to figure out what they what they want to do with it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, what story could you do? Because like, I was thinking about this the other night. Like when he goes from being. Uh, like a shell of his former self basically where he like he won't come out and like that was the other thing I was trying to figure out too like and I wanted to ask Rambo like in that fight in uh, Infinity War when Thanos just mops the floor with him is that accurate is is Thanos that strong at that point and like the Hulk just can't even hang with him I mean you also gotta remember he he had a couple stones as well oh yeah that's like, true yeah um but no I mean like Thanos is Thanos is a powerful dude um it's yeah i i think it was like the whole the whole thing that happens in infinity war i think it comes down to it being like the hulk was demoralized like he was he was embarrassed and he was scared um because that's that's the thing about that character that's easy to forget is you know because the hulk is is so extreme in his emotions and is really built around you know, I mean, like, so, so he's a character that's built around rage, right? Yeah. And and when you get when you when you get that specific, you start turning everything up to eleven in terms of like, well, that means that you know, there's there's like great pain there, there's great frustration there. You know, all of those emotions have to come from somewhere. Um, and so that also means that if you can't counter, if 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 all you have in your arsenal is anger. And that anger isn't strong enough, then you just deflate. Like there's, there's, he he's not a character that's able to think around a problem. All he is is a tank. Like you know, you point him in a direction and he goes. And if he hits, you know, the unmovable object, then he doesn't have anywhere to go anymore. Um, and so like that, that becomes a big part of the arc in, in Infinity War is like. Bruce even being confused about like what the fuck is happening like you always are able to do this I can I can I I can unfortunately always rely on you to come out and do shit when I don't want you to and now's the one time I want you to um but yeah so so it's it's interesting to see how they play that character and I think also it was a matter of to some degree um you know this will save us some money if we yeah, don't, yeah. If we don't <laughs> have to keep showing Mark as the Hulk, um, you know that's going to be a little more expensive. Like I, I guarantee, rendering the Hulkbuster armor was cheaper than trying to re-render the Hulk in a in a photorealistic setting. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but well, uh, the one the, thing yeah. that like I was trying to like the one gap in Infinity War slash um, Endgame that like I thought uh, like I want to know way more about is I want to know how he came to grips with that and how he became yeah. that yeah. intelligent Hulk like what's and I can't even I don't even know it's, what the term for that Hulk is it's professor, Hulk. It, yeah. isn't, isn't it Professor Hulk I, like, they, like I've heard Professor Hulk um, yeah that, that, that tends to yeah. be what most commonly used I, I think I mean I mean that could I've, if they weren't going to do like Infinity War and Endgame back to back then ideally, perhaps you could have done a solo Hulk film that could have been just about that journey, yeah. just, mm-hmm. just about that journey. Uh, because the one thing we do know is that they did film a scene with Mark, um, I want to say for Endgame, that was supposed to be part of Endgame, that was supposed to show like 
the like the the first moment after he came to that like that Professor Hulk moment, um, where uh, I don't I don't remember the scene in it. it I don't remember like the specific details um, of it, but it's like he he like goes and like rescues some people from like this uh, this building I think that's on fire or something like that, and it was supposed to be something that that sh that showcases that you know he's no longer just banner he's no longer you know hulk like these are not separate like they've fused into into this this professor hulk um but it was it was cut it was cut from endgame because i think i think i read like it, it either confused audiences or they didn't have like a good place to place it within like the context of the early part of that movie yeah it makes sense i mean it, it's 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 one more big story element to add yeah I feel like, and this is, I'm not, like, complaining. Let me just make sure that that's 100% clear. But, like, I feel like with, with Infinity War and with Endgame, you literally could have, you know those, like, little videos they did where, like, it was the first time we started seeing Thor be funny, um, where it was, like, he had a roommate or whatever. Uh, like, you, you almost could have done, like, little one-shots like that. Like, where it's like, hey, did you want to know how Hulk became Professor Hulk and how mm -hmm. him and, like, Bruce were able to come to turn, uh, come to grips with this? Like, check this one out. You know, it's a 20-minute piece or whatever it is. Like, and people would have watched it for sure. Like, you put oh, that on Disney yeah. Plus or you put that on whatever. And, like, you're going to get subscriptions. You're going to get people who are interested in doing that. You literally could have released all of the extra content and, and like, in little pieces and people would have enjoyed the shit out of it. It's honestly right. one of my biggest frustrations is the fact that the Marvel minis are not on Disney Plus because I haven't seen like half of those. Yeah, I would love to see those. Yeah, and like apparently, um, a um, what's the guy's name in Ant Man? His his buddy, um, played by um, shit, uh, by Michael Pena. Oh um, yeah, um, I can't remember his his name in the in the movie name. though. Yeah, shit. But either way. There's an actual recap of the Marvel Cinematic Universe done by him, and it's out there. And why have we not seen it? Like, yeah. like, why is this not a thing? Why do we not have this right now? Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be so much fun. Yeah, it really um, would. Yeah, it's it's it's. So to to talk about a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, one, I mean, just in terms of opinions, like, I think, I don't think Marvel has yet to make a bad movie. I think they have definitely made movies that are better than others. Um, I would say that this one, uh, the Dark, Thor The Dark World and Iron Man 2 are probably at the bottom of the list in terms of quality. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't think they're bad movies. They're just not as, it, it's, it's. There is no Marvel movie that is as bad as the worst pre-Marvel. There's no MCU movie that is as bad as the pre best or the worst pre-MCU Marvel movie. Yeah. Put it that way. Because, um, man, we got some garbage. Um, <laughs> you used to have to be there, very thankful for, for the gruel you were served. Um, but... Uh, I I think that, you know, in, in terms of my own preferences, like, I think that the design of the Hulk is pretty good. I think the rendering of him is pretty rough. Uh, he he does end up kind of looking like a cartoon in places. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that there's... 
there's so clearly a moment where someone tried to to add a clause to Tim Roth's contract said you need to get in amazing shape and he was like fuck you I am an established actor for the last 30 years I am not going to be doing workouts for eight hours a day five days a week so you get that shot of him lifting his shirt and you get the CG abs um, <laughs> and it's like that's that's not great folks <laughs> and, um, when really they could have just padded him up a little bit. Like that's all they would have had to do. Or um, just, you know, not show him shirtless. Like it's show him shirtless. Yeah. You don't have that's to show like, the dude shirtless. Like it's not like Tim Roth's in bad shape. He's just not in like Marvel superhero shape. Um, yeah. which really no one should be. Um, exactly. he's also like pushing 50. So I <laughs> see, I, per- I love Tim Roth like as an uh, actor, yeah, but like, yeah. Man, that was something I point like I thought about with that with that movie as well. Is like watching it like at first it, it makes sense where like at first it's like he got he got beat down and like he's never had that happen before. So he was just like I need an edge. So they give him whatever weird cocktail of the super soldier serum it was and he runs faster and he's stronger and you're just like, "Oh. All right, this is kind of cool. Like I'm I'm up for this." And then it's just like it's basically like threat escalation. It's like it's not enough. I need more. I need mm-hmm. bigger weapons. I mean and like and that was a cool like motivation for him, but like there, there gets a point where he's like he's taking the serum and he's like all sweaty and shit, and you're just like, all right, what's he's sweaty? That's his new power. Like you're looking <laughs> gross there, bud. Is that what he does? And then he goes to um, Tim Blake Nelson, who which I love him, but I can't hear him without hearing the character from uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> We done sexed up the Hulk and turned it into a monster. Do not seek the monster. It's the whole time I'm watching this, and that's all I'm thinking. It's just him being like, we did, we done went down to the river and we got baptized. We we've been saved. <laughs> we, we thought she was a green giant. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, I'd watch that movie. Um, I would, but be- yeah, like. Okay, so like that, that's one of the cool things. So, yeah. there, you know, controversy. Um, Louis Leterrier, who directed Incredible Hulk, um, he wanted Mark Ruffalo from the jump. Like, that's who he wanted to play Bruce Banner. And Ruffalo wasn't quite as big a git as Edward Norton was. And Universal's like, no, we have money. So they go to Norton. Norton's like, sure, I want to see the script. And then he does, and he's like, I want to do a rewrite, and then he does. Um, and that snowballed. Uh, that became, you know, it went from, like, he did a rewrite to I wrote the script. And he starts being interviewed about how he was, you know, he's partially responsible for this movie. And that's not not true, but it definitely puts more credit on his shoulders than he maybe deserves. Um and then that led to money issues and that led to difficulty. And one thing we know about, you know, Marvel and who was running them, as previously mentioned, is they are not looking to spend anything they don't have to. Um, and so uh, uh, the reason that Ruffalo didn't get the job to begin with, um, him being a smaller name, is also the reason why he ends up getting the job after the fact, because that means he's cheaper. Um, oh, shit. So, among other things, that's that's why Ruffalo gets recast and Norton, uh, or, or why Norton gets recast and, and Ruffalo gets the job. Um, 
Norton also one of the th- one of the cool things he did though was he was one of the person one of the people to inject more of the kind of comic stuff in the movie because for some reason I mean for some reason Louis Leterrier is in his like mid forties to early fifties and so he was a kid watching the Incredible Hulk TV show um, and a lot of older nerds are like that is their fucking bread and butter they just eat that shit up. Um, and like even I, like like you know when 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 you were watching, like you sent me a text. It was like, oh, they're playing the, the theme, um, and you know I I get those kind of like you know little tingles too, where I see references to the old TV shows and stuff. But the the this movie was almost certainly going to lean more heavily on that show as an adaptation than the comic as an adaptation until Norton's draft came along. Um, Norton reportedly is the one who. You know, had Tyrell playing not just a therapist, but specifically Doc Sampson. Um, uh, and and Tim Blake Nelson's character is the guy who ends up becoming the leader. He was another Hulk villain. Um, that's why you get that, that weird like thing with his forehead. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because the leader has a gigantic, gigantic head. Um, he's 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 the Hulk. If the Hulk, instead of getting really strong when he got angry, was just super fucking smart all the time. Um and still a douchebag. Um, Basically the thinker from yeah, DC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, there, you know, there are definitely some positives to come out of it. Uh, I think, to your to your point about the, like, you know, the green-eyed smile at the end of the movie, I think that is supposed to be a little stinger for a sequel because you get this sense that, at least the way I interpret it is, um the only thing more dangerous than Bruce Banner not being able to control the Hulk is Bruce Banner being able to control the Hulk and enjoying it. Right. Yeah. And like, that's what I, that's what I take from that shot is like, I finally got a handle on this. You need to watch the fuck out. Um, because then you can kind of really start exploring the whole, like maybe Thunderbolt Ross is not as wrong as we'd like to think he is. Um, because, you know, a thing that happens in that movie is fucking Harlem gets leveled uh, during this goddamn monster fight. Um, par- partially, at least, because of the, the U.S. military's direct intervention in the situation. Yep, right. Uh, with yep. the creation of Emil Blonsky's uh, uh, abomination. Um, I, I, I also under- I don't really understand why the, the abomination looks the way he does. And it ends up being this weird doomsday thing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very strange. But uh, you know, I I think the cast works pretty well. Like it, it's it's cool to see some of the characters uh, and some of the casting choices carry carry through uh, into the rest of the MCU. Like you know, Ross uh, William Hurt as Ross shows up again in in Civil War. Um, Tim Ross, Emil Blonsky, is reported to be in the She Hulk show as well as Ruffalo's mm-hmm. uh, Hulk. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see where those things go. Um, also, uh, reportedly about a year ago, or like a year and a half ago at this point, um, the the rights reverted back to Marvel for the Hulk uh, and uh, among other characters for Namor. Um, if that's the case, they have you know open license to kind of do whatever they want. The report at the time as to why Hulk movies weren't happening was. 
they just don't make money, which like there's something to that. Uh, if they don't turn the profit you're hoping for, you know, maybe it's not worth investing that much into it. Um, but a lot of it was also just like, well, Universal has the right, so fuck them. Um, and we can we can kind of do what we want with the character as long as we're following very specific guidelines. Um, so at least that was the reasoning. I think if we if this She-Hulk show ends up being a big success, like it almost certainly will, we'll get a solo Hulk movie. Um, but it really falls to whether or not this show, you know, does what people hope it will, and we can get real, true public interest in it. Yeah, it's yeah. So the the thing that like I I, I still go back to like I, I mean. Watching this movie, I'm watching it with Edward Norton, and I'm like, and, and because of all the things that I've heard about Norton and all, like, how difficult he is to work with, like, I'm trying to picture, I'm like, could I have seen Ruffalo in this role? And I'm like, yeah, 100%. And, it, and I don't think it would have been better or worse or anything. I think it would have just been the same movie, essentially. Like, I'm not saying that they're interchangeable, because they're both excellent actors. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I could have totally seen Ruffalo in this role. But, like, what other stories do you really have to tell with the Hulk? I mean, oh, hey, so I just got, I got a clarification. Yeah, sure. So, so Marvel does own the film rights, but Universal owns the distribution rights, ah, which is why okay. it's not on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's no. that's that's where it comes from. Okay. And See, apparently, that, Marvel doesn't want they don't want to work with Universal, which is why they haven't put any effort into making a a solo Hulk film. There you go. Because it was basically free money for Universal if 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 you know if they were to do it. Yeah, we got we got to pony up to to pay for distribution, but beyond that, we're not worried about how. Yeah, you know, we we we're we're gonna get a solid return on our investment, pretty much guaranteed. Um, so it really behooved them to just you know do whatever they wanted. So if if yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And the and the, the the right reversion thing, no one has yet to fully confirm that. That is just the like there's evidence of it, and the, and that's the strong rumor. And supposedly, an executive made some comment on a podcast or something. Yeah. That essentially, was saying like uh, the 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 film rights aren't an issue anymore. And it's like okay, well you know most of those it, deals are are, are uh, not pay or play. What's the term? Because um, because it's it's the same situation with Sony and Spider Man. It's essentially if you you have you you buy the rights, you don't buy them in perpetuity. You buy them for X amount of time. If and in that time, a movie, then yeah, yeah, yeah. If in, exactly. If in that time you make another movie, then the rights uh, uh, renew and you can keep going forward. But if they lapse, you need to give us X amount of money uh, to buy them back. And and you know what? Like, it would make sense if it has. Mostly because I would say in the last like three weeks or so, there have been a lot of rumors kind of speculating about Namor's inclusion in Black Panther 2 uh, based on some of the like casting information, casting calls mm-hmm. uh, that have been that have been uh, making the rounds for, you know, for for actors to, to come in uh, to play, you know, like background characters and whatnot. And like there's stuff that seems to be hinting at Namor being and being part of uh, Black Panther two, which would showcase that you know Marvel does have the rights to to do this. Mm-hmm. And Okoye has that line in Endgame. Oh yeah, 
it's 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 a real quick like you know blink and you'll miss it line but she has that line about the uh, the underwater the earthquakes yeah the tremors yeah and you're like, oh, you deal with shit. it by not dealing with it yeah <laughs> yeah it's an earthquake <laughs> like, and, and i mean and, and and just in terms of black panther 2 think think about that like what if namor didn't get snapped we have no idea what has happened in the five years since no like shit, we, we, man. We, we, we know the door Malaje at the very least are doing their thing since they popped up on Falcon and Winter Soldier. We have no idea about the state of Wakanda, you know, what's going on, what happened in that five year span. And, you know, if anything has escalated with these uh, tremors from from uh, the ocean. Yeah, I mean, it's I can't say that I'm excited about Namor like I'm. Um, and for any of you Namor fanboys out there, I apologize. Um, I don't give a shit about this dude. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> like I get it. You know, he's the Marvel version of, of Aquaman. And I'm sure there's somebody out there who's pushing their glasses up right now. And it's going to be like, well, actually, Namor. No, I. that's cool. Great. I'm, I'm sure he's a wonderful character. And just like with Iron Man, I'll watch his movie. And I might be swayed to the side of all things wonderful that is Namor. But I'm right now I'm good thanks like it just it's it's i'm not saying that one was stolen from the other but he just seems a lot like aquaman and again not saying that it's stolen or one you know that namor didn't come first but like i what's the why, why does everybody have to have an undersea character oh because this all comes back to direct competition in comics ah yeah um but also i am fucking excited about the idea of Namor showing okay. up in the MCU. Okay. So, so tell me, tell me why I should be excited about Namor. So, essentially, um, yeah, you can boil it down to dickhead Aquaman. Like that's really what it comes down to. Ooh. Namor. Yeah, uh, next GGR shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you just put the fucking wings on the side of it. Exactly. Um, like a logo. Like, his, so, like the, the words dickhead Aquaman with the little wings on Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Namor, basically, so so whereas with, with Aquaman, there's this sort of like uh, um, air of, of, of nobility and, and strength and, and, and goodness uh, and like moral character. Namor, it's much more of the pride and nobility. Um, Namor 100% looks down on anyone who doesn't breathe water. Uh, if you are from the surface, you are garbage. You happened to survive millions of years ago. Good for you. We have cultures that date back millennia. So fuck off. Um, Namor, when he first shows up, shows up because uh, a man made surface surface made pollution is infecting the oceans. And he's like, I'm going to tell y'all real quick. Stay the fuck away from the water. <laughs> If you try to in any way endanger me, my people, or uh, uh, our national environment, I will destroy all of you single-handedly. There will be armies marching on the surface. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he's, he's essentially like uh, uh, the way they do King Orm in, in the Aquaman movie, where he's like, I, I'm just going to go to war with the surface. Um, only Namor does it like by himself. Uh, he shows up in New York and he's like, I'm just going to wreck shit until somebody points out who, who's in charge. And then I'm going to explain to them, like, you need to fuck off. Um, 
Namor is like, first of all, he's also like like old school Mr. Steel Your Girl when it comes to the Fantastic Four, because Namor will shamelessly flirt with Sue Storm in front of the entire FF. Like <laughs> he will call out Reed in front of his wife and, and brother-in-law, like, why are you with this chump when you could come be my queen? It would be dope. We would be so happy. And I could, you could forget all about this asshole. Um, you know, like, come along. Let's, 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 let's do this. Um, but yeah, we, we, we don't quite have a character to this level of bravado that can actually back it up. Like there's plenty of characters in the MCU that talk big shit, but this dude, like, Namor is almost like the most hip hop character we could get in terms of like a guy that takes a stand and sit and like he will call himself the greatest of all time, but can actually back that play. Um, like there, there's 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 something to be said for the degree of ego you need to have to 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 showcase this character. And I really he's he's a really perfect foil for um for most of the MCU because what you get with from him is like so like with Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is made of ego, right? But his whole deal is is control and power. Namor is just like, leave me alone. Atlantis is doing just fine. And anytime we have to deal with y'all's bullshit, it causes us a problem. So just stay away. I'm worried about me and my people and nobody else. Um, and he, in, 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 of late, he's made a pretty solid enemy out of the Black Panther. Um, when, and I'm blanking on exactly why, but he flooded Wakanda um, at one point and killed a lot of people. So Black Panther had like this blood feud with him where he's like, I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm not going to bring you to justice. I'm going to bring you to like ancient justice. Like you were going to pay for everything you've done to, to me and my people. Um, so you basically get this sort of like two warring Kings thing going on between those two characters. Um, but also a uh, cool thing about Namor is um, he recognized back in the forties that the second world war might eventually turn toward the oceans. So he's a member of the original invaders, um, which was him, Captain America, Bucky uh, uh, and, and the old school Android human torch. Um, so there's great potential to do like some flashback world war two shit with him uh, and have a Namor just like pick up Nazi tanks and throw them around and shit. Um, who doesn't like to do that? I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm all for that shit. Um, so yeah, like I, I am very excited to see this dude show up um, because he is just like fucking swag personified and, and, and like all of the fucking ego in the world. Um, oh shit. MC just shared. A, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he flooded Wakanda while he had the Phoenix forest. Cause he felt the Avengers were there. Yeah. That tracks. Um, and it's, it's the kind of, and it, yeah, that, that is, that is absolutely also the kind of like, you know, big over the top, 
you know, I, I could have handled this in a much simpler and direct way. And instead, I'm just going to fucking carpet bomb this whole whole avenue in order to, to handle this problem I have. Um, it's like blowing up your house because you think you have roaches. Um, yeah, no, Namor is going to Namor is going to be a character that shows up and is very much a villain to begin with uh, and will um, be turned toward the side of, of hero uh, um, over time. Uh, and oh, yeah, and that, that's true. Yeah. The, the Avengers versus X-Men. Um, Namor is also one of the original mutants. Uh, he is one of the, at least in, as far as, as Marvel's concerned, um, or, or the, 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 the known mutants in terms of the timeline. Cause there's mutants that go back like tens of thousands of years. Um, and yeah, that was during the, the Avengers versus X-Men storyline where the Avengers were like, but you know, <laughs> the X-Men were like, mutants are getting a really raw deal all the time. And the Avengers like, yeah, that sucks. We got other things we got to worry about. And Cyclops is like, no, nah, man. No, you gotta you gotta focus on this shit right now. Me and my people are getting our, our asses handed to us on, on on the regular. It's not okay. And Captain America's like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I got other shit. I got I got I got bigger problems I gotta worry about. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the, the 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 Scott Summers Steve Rogers conflict goes back many years. Um, but yeah, no, Namor is a character that I'm very excited to see them do stuff with. Um, he make, like I said, he makes a great foil because he's really, really charming, but cocky as shit. Um, he, and, and he's got like all kinds of fun superpowers and, and, um, that really just boiled down to, he's very strong. He's, he's bulletproof, uh, uh, you know, and, and you know, nine vulnerable and he can fly. Um, he has wings on his feet. He does have the wings on his feet, which are, are mostly for show. Uh, he can fly without them. Um, but yeah, no. He just chooses to keep the wings on his feet. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah why either. not? They're like, uh, they're like pretty skin tags. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> and there's our next band name. Hang on. Let me write that one down. Pretty skin tag. Coming to the stage. The pretty skin tags. Ew. Ew. <laughs> but no, he's a great character. And, he, and, and he's, he's from that, like, old school, early Marvel um you know big bombastic douche uh that is here to like he's the villain but he also like kind of has a point which is like leave leave the oceans alone you are destroying the world both yours and mine piss off yeah it's okay i'm interested just to see a cocky douchebag. I'm a big fan of those, like, in, in general. So, like, let, let's do it. And, like, one of the things that I've liked what they've been doing with the MCU lately, um, going from we're leaving phase one and now going to what's going on right now, um, I love that we're getting new characters, that we're getting things that are not the, like, this is the basic bare bones. These are the ones we know will stick stories. Now we're getting some, some out there shit. We're going to see time-traveling, alternate dimension Loki. I'm fucking excited as shit about that. Yeah. So I think that's going to be good stuff. Um, what we'll do is we're going to go ahead and wrap up because this was this was good, man. Um, overall, like just thoughts on Incredible Hulk and Iron Man. Iron Man is still like the gold standard as far as uh, the MC movies go. Incredible Hulk was fine. Like if you can find it, that's the other problem too, is like we yeah. had to dig to find this movie. It is not easy to find online. 
Um, in fact, there could have been alternative means in which we use the internet for in order to find this movie, but we won't say such things on the airwaves. <laughs> um, you, you can find it if you're searching hard enough. Let's just put it that way. Um, it was all right, but like, I'm actually looking forward to what we got coming up next. The next three um, are you got Iron Man 2, you got Thor, and you got Captain America the First Avenger. I am excited about this because Captain America the First Avenger is my favorite of the like the intro movies for the characters. I love Iron Man. Iron Man's great. Iron Man's probably the better movie. But Captain America is my favorite of the characters. I also love a good period piece. So like I'm I'm excited about that one. Iron Man 2 holds up. I recently watched that one. And then Thor Thor is Thor's I like we'll we'll see. We'll give him another watch. But like any any parting comments that you guys had on any of those movies on uh either Iron Man or the Incredible Hulk or the ones we got coming up next. Uh, I'm excited for next week because uh, I, I I haven't seen Th- the original Thor, I want to say, in about eight years. And so, like, when Darcy showed up in uh, WandaVision, like, I had no recollection that she was in those movies. And I, I, I couldn't tell you anything that happened in either of the first two Thor movies. So I'm excited to, like, give that another rewatch. Um, I also, like... I, I don't hate Iron Man 2 <laughs> like like most people do. Uh, like I, I still like there's still parts of that movie that I still very much enjoy. Um, so I'm excited to give that another watch too. And I also I also love Cap. You know that I, I had my mind changed on the the first Avenger because I I thought it was a boring movie like so many years ago. And luckily after growing up and you know getting some sensibilities and whatnot, <laughs> I uh, you know realized how wrong I was about that that first movie because it, it it is really damn good. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to start that one either. Uh, Rambo, your takes on any of these? I mean, the Thor movies, I think, are probably the, the weakest of the franchises throughout the MCU until we get to Ragnarok. Um, and it, and that's the thing. All of the separate parts work just fine. Like, all the performances are good. Visual effects look good. Um, I thought the set pieces were interesting. But they just don't gel for me. Um, a lot of things happen for me because they're supposed to, not necessarily. Like, the story dictates they have to happen, so they happen. Not because the, the narrative actually showcases why it should, um, but that's something we can talk about later. Um, conversely, uh, Captain America: The First Avenger is one of the best movies in the MCU. Uh, it is basically an, an Indiana Jones movie starring Captain America and the, and the Red Skull. Um, that shit is fun. It, it's just it's so wild, and um, it's one of the few times you can I, I can I can say the the phrase you know. Uh, it takes place in a simpler time uh, where villains were very clearly delineated from heroes. <laughs> like, there's no question about who the good guy and who the bad guy in that movie is. Yeah. So, yeah, and, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I, I think Hugo Weaving's performance as Red Skull is fantastic. Just him, like, mm-hmm. just chewing up scenery with the most German of German accents. Like, he's just like, I'm leaning into this, and like it's yeah. really, a sh- it's really a shame he didn't, we didn't get to see him again as Red Skull, but it, it is what it is. You know why? Do you know why? Can you guess? Um, my guess would be Mr. Perlmutter. Money, 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 money. Money, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. money, money. We are going to pay you what you're worth. You just have like, and and like, let's just make it clear, Ross Marquand. 
very very talented actor absolutely um he's no hugo weaving obviously in the page in the paycheck line which which sucks but like man like he actually he was pretty good i thought as the red skull in oh uh, hell yeah in endgame like I, I don't think you could tell like I, unless you knew i knew that he wasn't hugo weaving because i just knew the story but i i was goddamned if i was like did it did they just not come have him come back and do the did he just do the voice like i don't What's going on there? That's pretty impressive. Um, fun fact, Hugo Weaving based his German accent on Werner Herzog. Uh, yes! So you get little, <laughs> like, uh, 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 like the Valkyries um, <laughs> and, and pronunciation uh, stuff like that. I, just, I almost wish we would have just gotten some Werner Her- Herzog dialogue then from him. I have decided, <laughs> decided to sell my home, Captain America, so I could live closer to Disney World. Like, <laughs> just, just off the... <laughs> now I'm only going to hear Werner Herzog as the Red Skull. <laughs> I mean, once you know, it's it's hard not to hear. What is what is the point in this war, anyways? Hey, Captain, there's no point in existence, anyways. Everything infinite in the universe is suffering. <laughs> Jesus, you're bringing me down, man. <laughs> there you go, folks. If you were hoping for us to bring back the Werner Herzog impersonations, you're welcome. <laughs> sure, hail Hydra, but really, existence is pain. Like just. <laughs> You could do this all day, and yet entropy comes for us all. <laughs> Timothy Treadwell was eaten by grizzly bears in Alaska because, <laughs> because of his lax attitudes towards animal rights. Captain, Captain. Like, what? <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with our fight? Um, like... Bears. <laughs> On that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Everyone out there who is listening to these podcasts, thank you very much. We appreciate you greatly. We really, truly do. It's awesome to know that people continue to support what we're doing. And uh, it's 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 just great. It's a bunch of friends talking to each other about nerdy and geeky shit. And the fact that we continue to do this every week is an awesome thing. And you guys are part of that. So we appreciate uh, what you do for this website and as long as you keep supporting us we're going to keep keep doing these things uh we've got lots of cool stuff coming up here uh at some point i don't even want to pitch it we've we've just we've been talking about some really cool outside the box thoughts on what we're going to do for some podcasts so stay tuned for those uh but for myself for mc brooks for james rambo um this has been another ggr pirate radio production uh make sure you're staying safe keep wearing your masks when applicable keep washing your hands try to be nice because it is a contentious time that we live in. And remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach.
Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!